Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the 8-Bit Salt Pit. I am the salt. And I am the pit. And today we are also joined with the local uh, Dark Souls veteran, Neil. Hey, guys. And uh, yeah, we just want to talk a little bit about the Soulsborne series. Um, I'll start it off with talking about a situation I got myself into, my first situation with Dark Souls 1. Um, when I initially picked this game up, it was basically a hand-me-down from a friend. And I, what, I didn't have internet access at the time. And what this meant is I went into it completely blind. I'd never heard of this before. Corey, was this PC, PS3, Xbox 360? I believe it was Xbox 360. Oh, nice. So, yeah, okay. Right, yeah. I mean, it would be weird to have a PC and no internet connection. It's happened, but yeah, no. <laughs> um, and basically, I went into it blind, and I just remember it being the most jank piece of shit game. And I was like, because <laughs> I had heard that there was a hype about this Dark Souls game. And I was initially thinking that Dark Souls and Demon Souls were uh, the same game. And so I thought I was going into Demon Souls. Not that it makes a difference. <laughs> but uh, I just remember, like, you're in the asylum. And I was like, you can't beat this boss. Like, is this a joke? And then, <laughs> right? And then I remember getting to the initial hub area. I finally de defeated the asylum demon. And um, that I that's a really good starting point for someone going into blind dark souls and it really teaches you that this is fucking dark souls like you're gonna have a hard time because i went to the graveyard first and i i couldn't find the entrance to the undead berg which for those of you who don't know is the starting area that's where you're supposed to go it's very easy um and so i ended up quitting the game and i didn't play it for probably a year or two years until i learned more about it um and so <laughs> basically i went to the graveyard where these enemies keep coming back to life and I, I was like, this game sucks. Fuck this. Like, the hype is dumb. This game sucks. Um, did you guys have that experience? I also had pretty much the same experience. I remember sitting at that bonfire right next to the to all those skeletons and just going there over and over, <laughs> farming the skeletons, trying to level, and just thinking, wow, I understand why everybody says this game's so hard. But holy <laughs> crap, how are people actually doing this? Yeah. And I did the same thing. I put down the game for a while. Until someone had told me where to get to Undead Bird was. And I felt like pretty stupid when, yeah. once I finally saw that. <laughs> well, you know, the the entrance to it is like on the side of a cliff. And I swear they do that intentionally. It does not seem like the, <laughs> the first place you're supposed to go. How about you, Richard? Well, I'm kind of an oddity in this case. I didn't start with Dark Souls. I actually started with Bloodborne. I see. Well, I suppose let's not... Let's not um, so get too ahead of ourselves. I, oh, I was just going to say, I kind of <laughs> knew what I was getting into. Come to Dark Souls, you know, the, the difficulty was still there, but I had reference. Right. You just went straight to the Undead Berg and everything was PG Keen for you? No, I actually went, uh, <laughs> I believe you, once you hit the Firelink Shrine or whatever yeah. it is in Dark Souls 1 and you go to the right and up the stairs and through the sewers. That's that's the correct place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it? I'm proud of you, Richard. Oh, okay. Gol golf clap. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's that's excellent. Um, and, you know, I really think from software, it just hit a gem and they ran with it, right? I mean, that's they're a good set of games. They're difficult and there's a weird, odd sense of um, connection with the whole world, right? Everything connects and you unlock shortcuts. And I think that just that feeling of gratification of not only unlocking new areas, but also defeating these extremely hard bosses. It's amazing. Well, I think that, I mean, the bosses are of course the biggest thing when it comes to any Soulsborne game, I feel. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's definitely a formula, but, but it's <laughs> the sense of accomplishment. Like you're saying, like, you know, you will beat your head against a wall against a boss for 
an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes. But when you finally beat it, it feels good. Yes. And, you know, the esoteric lore that you learn only from basically items and talking to, like, weird, hidden, obscure NPCs, there's something mystical about that that I've always loved. Yeah, you if know. you can't read, don't play Dark Souls. Well, I mean, you can you can get by. You, you equip a big club, and you just, <laughs> you just go strong, and you beat them to death. Um, but yeah, I, I just really love lore in games, and so the harder I have to dig for lore, the more invested I get. How are your feelings on the lore, Neil? Do you do you get invested with that, or are you just like, yeah, I don't care? So, so it's a funny thing you mentioned that. I was actually one of those people who didn't really follow anything. It was just kill more bosses. <laughs> um, the thing that really drove me to Dark Souls was I loved the punishing factor of your death. Not very many games do that, where it's like, you die and they hold your hand and they're like, it's going to be okay. Let's just go to the next one. Dark Souls is like, you don't want to do that. Yeah. You're going to get punished. Oh, that, I, that is a good point. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who's played the Soulsborne series knows being there with, you know, a hundred thousand souls and then some random, just low level enemy takes you out and you lose it all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't remember so many, I can't remember how many times I died where, um, you know, there's an area of the game where it's pitch black. And I had gotten all these um, all these souls. And it was too late, right? You get into this pitch, pitch blackness, and you're like, oh, I can't get out. <laughs> and you just, I just ran off a cliff. <laughs> and it's like, bye-bye, souls. Now, I want to ask you guys, um, and I'm going to ask this as we go through, just because I'm curious. But since we're on Dark Souls 1, mm-hmm. what's your favorite area or and favorite boss? E- expansions included. Expansions included. Um, I, I think right away for me and this is a this is the edgelord answer and i think a lot of people answer this as well but artorius not only because the boss fight is difficult but uh the lore behind it is amazing and i feel like we literally could just have like three episodes talking about lore of dark souls it's Um, true so i'm not going to get into it but artorius from the dlc is superb it's an amazing boss fight with a cool story behind it yeah um you know sticking to the themes of artorius uh sif was my favorite the boss fight sif uh-huh the... <laughs> um it, only because it was the only boss fight that i played that really struck emotion like you're fighting this giant wolf with a sword and you're like yeah this is cool this is badass and then you get down to like a quarter health and it starts like whimpering and it limps limping around and like it doesn't want to fight you anymore but you yeah. have to finish it and you're just like oh man yeah as for um the my favorite area of the game it's kind of um i have a lot of mixed emotion behind this because um i believe it's called the underground lake Mm-hmm. So that area is absolutely gorgeous. Um, once you get down there, it's a total change of pace. You're in a tree, and you come out, and suddenly now you're on a sandbar in a lake. Um, and there's a bunch of just, like, in the background, like, thousands of these giant trees. Um, and it's very mystical. And then that mysticism and, like, um, just gorgeous scenery is just blasted away when you realize you have to fight several hydras. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't hit them, right? If you're, like, a melee build, good fucking luck, because... You know, they're, like, in the water, just blasting you with all these beams. Um, and I, the reason why I'm so torn up about it, not, it's not because of the change of scenery to Hydra. It's um, actually Neil. Um, this was back when I was first starting. <laughs> He's nodding right now. He knows exactly where this is going. Yep. Uh, <laughs> this is when I picked the game back up. Neil could convince me because he, he loves them. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play it again. It looks really cool. Neil was doing a really good job. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And he... He, he didn't trick me. He, he kind of did. So basically, it's a hidden area that I'm talking about, the underground lake. And to get there, you have to get past several of these basilisks. And if they kill you, 
um, they lower your your HP permanently until you heal um, with this special item that's hard to get. So basically, I got killed by these enemies, and I had 50% reduced health going through this, and it was a nightmare. I was still I still sucked at the game. I had to get good. I finally get down to the lake, get past the hydras, to get this item, uh, which is the strongest strength build item in the game. And the catch was, is not only did I have to go through, like, literal days of trying to get through this fucking area, um, the item you can't use until endgame because you need high strength to use it. And so <laughs> it was definitely a running joke for a long time that this Neil was sadistic, super I, evil. It wasn't meant to be sadistic. I felt <laughs> super bad watching you descend the tree. Um, I never had got petrified personally. I just kind of fell down the tree and luckily kept getting hurt but not dying. And yeah, get to the bottom, get to that massive dragon and cut his tail off and give his tail as a weapon. Yeah, well, to be fair, I was just like, what's the strongest strength build uh, item in the game? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's definitely this item. So right I, did, I didn't really ask enough questions. <laughs> I just said, Neil, point me in the right direction. I'll go get it. <laughs> Neil, what about you? What's your favorite boss slash area? So my favorite boss slash area definitely stems from the fact, probably the nostalgia of Dark Souls 1, just because it was the first one. It's what got me into the series. So a lot of my memories come from that. But it would be Anorlando. I really loved that area. The fact that you're fighting a knight and all of a sudden two imps just come and grab you and fly you to this massive city puts into perspective how tiny you are in this world of giants. Yeah, that giant wall. It's mm-hmm. just like they did carry up a giant wall. It's amazing. And then, the, yeah, next thing you know, you're fighting Ornstein and Smo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Ornstein and Smo are pretty much the bane of any Dark Souls player's existence. It's uh, two-on-one, uh, the two of them against you, and Ornstein is a quick dude with a spear, and Smo is this giant fat guy with a big hammer. Yes, and it, it is extremely difficult. It's not like you're like one of them is easy on you while you're fighting the other. They're both trying to obliterate you and um one of them is constantly like bowling ball rolling at you and the other one's trying to spear you and it's it's very intense um but yeah and orlando is another one of those gorgeous set pieces where it's just like this amazing um golden raid golden ray showered city um and it's it's massive like neil's saying the city is massive the wall that it's around is massive and the premise is that it was basically the city of the gods um and and it had the knights too, which were super annoying, but it was cool. The ones with the, like bow and arrows. Oh yeah, and they would just shoot you mm. off the edge. Yeah. There, yeah. So even before this, there's several skill checks where you're basically traveling through, you know, the undead berg, and then sense fortress, and then you know you have to fight um, Quaylag, which is a spider boss. Those are all like moments where you're like, oh shit, I really need to step my game up, and then you pass them and you feel really good. But once you get to Anorlando is when it, it, shit really hits the fan, where you're trying to run across this terrace while these archers are hitting you if they hit you they knock you off you're dead um and it's frustrating there's several of them and it's a pain in the ass for sure and then yeah you're like okay holy shit that was hard i'm glad i'm through this area let's go through these big gates ornstein is mowing your face and you're just it's a nightmare um i would even argue that's probably the hardest part of the game is ornstein is mow after that it's kind of a cakewalk in my humble opinion yeah um I would say my favorite area is actually from a uh, DLC. Um, it's the painted world. I can't think of that. Right oh now. yeah. Uh, uh, it's the painted world of Ariandel. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and it's just like you, you come up to this painting you get ripped through it into this just big open snowbound world. Um, 
And I mean, it's like immediate, like you're in there and then all of a sudden there's like 10 enemies on you. Like yes. there's no rest. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Basically the whole, the whole thing takes place in one fortress. Um, it's just like a snowy fortress and it, yeah, there's a lot of cool things in it. Uh, a lot of unique enemies. There's something called a phalanx where there's like a, like basically a bunch of soldiers coalesced into like a meat mass and then, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty gross, but it, it is an interesting enemy. Um, for you guys that didn't play Demon Souls, the Phalanx is actually the first boss. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Is, it, is it worthy of a first boss? I mean, for a first Souls game, first boss, I think so. It's pretty pretty easy to put down if you have fire abilities, because that's what it's weak against. So you're just like, firebomb, right. firebomb, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's a bunch of Phalanx that gather together around one giant one with shields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like the final boss of of Dark Souls. Oh, I think the, it's the, Gwyn. Yeah. Yeah. He is, um, Perry stab, he, Perry <laughs> stab. Yeah. He was a very easy boss. Um, and you know what the, the final area when you're leading up to it, it's amazing. It's basically like this melted world kind of showing how Gwyn, who was this God of, um, light, fire, lightning, all sorts of things. Um, just like exploded and just melted everything around him. And it's just like, everything's ash and it's super cool. And then you get to him. The music's amazing. And just like super climactic, and then you just fucking wipe the floor with them. <laughs> it's like, dude. So one of the things that I always get confused on with Dark Souls, and one of you guys might be able to answer this, between Dark Souls one and three, I don't know shit about two, but um, <laughs> between those ones, are you trying to light the fire? Or are you trying to put it out? Uh, that depends, right? Yeah, it depends. I was just about to ask, what did you guys do? Since we were talking about Dark Souls one ending. Uh, yeah, Dark Souls one ending. I I said fuck it. I was like, dude, I don't light the flyer, light the fire to like have the cycle renew and just everything keeps happening hypothetically, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. like a time loop. Um, hell no, break the loop, dog. What did you do? Same. I extinguish that thing. Yeah, walk away, dude. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> fire marshal bill, dude. <laughs> Put a blanket over it and call it a day. I lit the fire and then played it again as their god. Poser. Yeah, you guys didn't know that, did you? <laughs> you don't play the <laughs> Okay. New game plus, you're just Gwyn. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, there's some fun uh, Dark Souls randomizers where um, you can just, you know, change out the enemies. There's there's a fun randomizer that I saw. It's called uh, Oops, All Gwyn. And just every enemy, en- every enemy in the game is Gwyn. And you know what? For being a shitty final boss, he sure makes it very difficult every enemy. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about Dark Souls, and I think it definitely started with Dark Souls 1, is uh, the... the Patches? Patches. No, (laughs) I hate patches. Uh, The the memes that get started from it, like Grave Lord Nito. Grave Lord Nito is amazing. It's Mm -hmm. like there's a gif of Grave Lord Nito, which is like a skeleton boss, and it's just like he has the Stena shades on, and it's like rainbow strobes. Amazing. (laughs) Um... And then the the dog, I can't think of what it That's is. That's Elden Ring. Elden Ring. No, 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 not no, not that meme. But they made other memes with the like dragon thing that comes out of the well that pulls you down later in the game. What the hell? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. There's like the serpents, the twin serpents. Yeah. The things that eat you. And they're like, ah. Yeah. They, they actually mean. make that noise, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. What are you talking about, serpents? Yeah, those guys. Um, but I've been see I've seen a bunch of memes where they're like, "Why can't I pet the dog?" And it's just that big ass like serpent <laughs> derpy ass face. <laughs> I was gonna say you called it a dog. I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> it does not look like a dog, homie. Um, and then I really like the birds. 
in Dark Souls that you just like sit in their nest and they're like, all right, let's yeah. go, homie. That's, mm-hmm. that's how you get to the main area. Yeah, you have to get abducted by a bird. That's how you get back to fight the asylum demon. Mm-hmm. Birds. Bird is the word. Um, also, uh, there's anyone who's played any Dark Souls game will know, uh, you know, try finger butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. for those of you who don't know, there's a... We say that a lot, don't we? For those of you who don't know. <laughs> um, there's Actually. A, yeah, actually. Uh, there is a soapstone you get where you can do these pre-selected words to make a message, and they appear for anyone who's online so they can look at it. Um, but yeah, basically, you can say weird things like try finger butthole, and, <laughs> or like um, secret ahead is a good one. You put it on a cliff, and when you die, you can actually uh, you leave a blood stain that other people can see. And so basically, you'll see, you can like activate it, and you'll see like moments before that person died. And so you'll, you know, you'll, there'll be a message that says secret ahead and it's off a cliff. Cause to be fair, Dark Souls has a lot of secrets like that where there'll be invisible paths and you'll just see people roll to their deaths and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> got him. Um, I'll go ahead, Neil. Yeah. It's amazing how much, um, those soap zones have so little words, but how much they've put into the game with people using it, i.e. mimic. Oh you yeah. You see mimic everywhere, walls, chests, everywhere. You're spinning hours hitting walls because people keep putting mimic in front of wall right unless you really know the games you just have to trust it because some people are correct like you you look at something and it you know you hit a chest and it really is a mimic you hit a wall and it's an illusory wall and so you there are these super valuable secrets and some of the best items in the game and best areas of the game are very very well hidden it's impressive oh my god dude the ptsd from the mimic sounds Oh. <laughs> yeah as they run up and try and soccer boot you in the head oh yeah it's, they have like karate moves they'll, they'll try to like drag and kick you it's amazing do your best mimic noise richard uh, uh, i can't dude <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's 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 surprising for um a somewhat single player game that there's so much online interaction and it's it's impressive and i think that's another reason why it's so popular not only is it just like thinking about all the walls you're hitting but also the bastards that are going around every area that are like oh yeah this is gonna get people or the invaders the people that are like super high leveled and invade you and you just can't yes and that is actually a specialty of neil's uh neil is a supreme invader he i've watched countless hours of neil invading people and absolutely rocking them um since we are still on dark souls one i spent a lot of time on dark souls one uh playing as giant dad are you guys familiar yes uh where you have to keep restarting the game if you don't get what you need from yes. pinwheel yes exactly so there's a specific uh setup you can do to get you, the, the whole premise is you want to stay a low level in pvp you're going to get mashed with people that are around your level so if you're a bastard and you want to smurf people you intentionally stay a low level but get this uh supreme gear and you'll basically stomp people um, so it's basically there and this is a theme with dark souls is you get bullied that is part of dark souls the game will bully you the other pvp players will invade you and they will bully you. And that's the theme of just get good. Um, there's emotes where you, can, <laughs> if you kill someone, you know, you can like point down to the ground, like calling them trash. It's it's actually super impressive how like hardcore these games can get. And frustrating. Yes. Um, I guess with that being said, unless you guys have anything else about Dark Souls 1. Oh, no. No, we can absolutely go to Dark Souls 2, which is another of Neil's specialties. I've played Dark Souls 2. Uh, Richard, you said you have not. No, I have. I just haven't played very much. I see. Uh, Dark Souls 2, personally, was not is probably the lowest on my tier. And Neil, you you enjoyed it. It's one of your favorites, right? 
Oh, I really love Dark Souls too. But the, once again, diving into the whole PV th- PvP thing, there was this bridge in Dark Souls <laughs> 2 that seemed to be the popular PvP place. You would just put your sign down and people would summon you purposely to have you invade their world. And they'd have like these colorful like stars all over the bridge and stuff like that letting you know that this was a pvp arena and there'd be people all over waiting for their turn to fight watching the two people on that the is true go. i forgot that there's just straight up fight clubs and i dark souls one didn't have that i think that yes it did just outside clubs yeah just outside of uh Anne orlando there was a pit um that people would hang out at i believe you're thinking of the the dlc oh maybe the, outside the coliseum but but i don't think there could be multiple people i think it was limited to just a few people I think that what I mean is Dark Souls 2, uh, it raised the cap of how many people could, could be in the game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant is what Neil said. Basically, there would be um, several people waiting for their turn. So there would be like five people just sitting watching other people fight to the death. And again, on a game where it's mainly just a single-player experience, it was cool to have like an unspoken law because <laughs> you couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. So, Neil, why don't you tell us about Dark Souls 2 or Corey? Because I really don't know. I made it as far as, so you start, you run through some forest. I got to like a foresty area with a big pit and just kept dying and gave up. Things betwixt. And that is the very beginning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Yeah, like I was saying, I I personally didn't like Dark Souls 2 very much. Um, And the reason being is because um, it was, to me, much more difficult to understand where I needed to go. It was very difficult to be, to navigate that game. But did you have that issue? Um, yes. I mean, with with any Dark Souls, I feel like there was issues with navigating. It would um, it'd be years since you played the previous one, so it would take you a little while to get back into it. But it, but um, yeah, the path wasn't as linear. I guess it yeah. was all over the place. Right. In, in Dark Souls One, once you once you know that you need to go to Undeadburg first, you're you're good. Everything else kind of holds your hand in, in that way. Dark Souls 2 didn't really have that. Yeah, I got super lost, and I couldn't figure out the healing item system in Dark Souls 2. Well, I believe, like, in the first one, you have to, um, you have to unlock it first. So. I played Dark Souls 2 a very long time ago. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think a highlight for me, like Neil was saying, is watching Neil do the, do the PvP. That was impressive. And Neil was extremely good. Right? I mean... Yeah. My, my favorite setup was there was this massive sword in Dark Souls 2. <laughs> I called it the Tet Saiga because it kind of looked like it. it was like a giant dragon's tooth. And uh, when you would use the strong attack, it would send out a wave of, like, air. Like a shock wave across the ground. And it made me think of, like, Windscar. And I loved it. Neil, was that an Inuyasha reference? Yes. Fantastic. Oh, Tet Saiga is Inuyasha? Mm-hmm. I think it's his sword. Yeah. Uh, and Windscar is a special yeah. move. That's tight. Yeah, and I also one thing that was introduced in Dark Souls 2 is um, maybe they started doing it in one, but where I really saw it is you... So when you parry someone, obviously parrying is, is the jam, right? Everybody tries to parry because when you uh, get a parry off, it stuns them, and you get a special animation, and it does just insane damage, right? So you it's you're parrying, parrying, parrying in PvP. And, you know, also... PVE. Or, or if you're me, you parry, 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 but don't actually parry anything. The right. Whole time. The window, the window's very tight. If you mess up your parry, you're gonna get your your butt kicked in. Um, but so what? I, where this is going is you could parry someone with uh, an easy to parry weapon. Some weapons are easier. Uh, you have more frames to get the parry window in. And so what Neil would do is he would go, 
<laughs> you go in and bait them. Because oftentimes, too, Neil would just not wear anything. like Or he'd have, like, these stupid butterfly wings on. <laughs> he just looked like a dingus. And so people are like, oh, yeah, this is an easy win. And he would parry them. And then as they're stunned, he would switch to the, the like you said, the Tetsaiga mm-hmm. weapon. And so they're like, oh, it's just whatever. He's going to he's just gonna hit me with this little weapon. And so you have the small window to switch from this parrying dagger to, like, this massive weapon. And just <laughs> you one-shot people. Yeah, I, I would go in with like this little like uh, little pokey dagger thing, and basically a <laughs> buckler in my other hand, a little shield that had a higher parrying window, and I'd kind of dance around them with those butterfly wings, and it would slowly poison <laughs> them if they didn't do anything about it. It had like a passive AOE poison. Once they swung at me, you parry them, you <laughs> you switch over your big weapon, you two hand it, you equip a couple more things in your inventory, and in Dark Souls too, some um, when you parried them, sometimes they'd fall down to the ground. And you would just smash him on the ground with that giant sword and kill him. Bonk. And then leave. <laughs> and then leave. Yeah. And then leave. <laughs> you do like the down point emo, yep. like trash, dude. Um, but as far as getting more into actually Dark Souls 2 and not just a PvP, um, and I, I know this is not a question for Richard, so I apologize, but um, what was your favorite boss in Dark Souls 2? Um, it's been so long since I played Dark Souls 2, and like I said earlier, um, I wasn't much of a lore person, per se. Gotcha. So remembering the names of the bosses is a little bit of a struggle. I I think it was Dark Souls 2. It was um, a guy had a... It was one of the DLC bosses. He had a massive sword in one hand and then like a little... Like... Oh, like a little dagger in the other hand. Not, huh. And he, he, he was super hard to fight, but I can't remember hey. his name. That's okay. Um, even though I didn't play Dark Souls 2 very much, um, I I do remember a cool, a few cool honorable mentions. There is one boss that you could fight, and he's basically a samurai. And uh, there's a cool interaction where if you can beat him without getting hit, he actually commits seppuku, um, as opposed to just so, like, you, you get the final hit on him, and he's like, oh, hell no, like, this is embarrassing, and he outs. Um so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked, Corey. My favorite boss from uh, Demon Souls. <laughs> oh yes, yes, of course. Uh, was the Storm King? Since I can't say anything about Dark Souls too, um, it was a giant manta ray that flew through the sky, and you got like uh, kind of like the giant boss fight. I think in Dark Souls three, you got Ma- a special. Manta rays sword. can't fly. This one could. <laughs> I see, because he's the Storm King. Because he's the Storm King, and all of his little like baby manta rays would dive bomb you. Oh, are you sure it wasn't the Storm Queen? I'm sure. Okay. Um, and you basically just have to avoid these dive bombs, and then when you had a moment, you charge the sword and hit him with essentially just a blade, a wind blade. Well, that's pretty cool. That is one thing that's interesting about the Dark Souls series is typically there's one boss where you, you can't kill them through normal means. You actually have to use a special item. Uh, we'll get to that more. Uh, Dark Souls Two, actually, I don't actually know if it had one, but I know for sure Three and um, Elden Ring have something like that. Um, but yeah, Dark Souls Two, that boss was really cool and. I also have a hard time remembering the names in Dark Souls 2. They they went very uh, cryptic with their names, and it's very strange. But also, there was a spider boss in that game that was extremely difficult for me. Um, it, it was basically a spider that shot lasers. Um, not cool. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. And, like, you have to focus one eye down and then go get the other I eye or something so. like that. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah. Are you Would would you say Dark Souls 2 was your favorite of the Dark Souls? It was definitely up there as one of my favorites. Once again, it was just because of the introduction to the PvP thing. But yeah. going back on the whole uh, special weapons to be able to defeat a boss, 
I do believe Dark Souls 2 had uh, Vendrick. I, I um, he was the king. And I'm pretty sure you had to go get a special sword. He, like, wandered around in his throne room. And oh, unless yeah. you had that sword, you couldn't do anything to him. I remember that, yeah. Um, I'm Not much. I just remember you get to this, like, super dark crypt, and there's just a giant zombie walking around, and he pays you no mind. So. And, and hexes. The introduction to hexes. Oh, yes. Yeah, tell us about hexes. Hexes. So, it, it was like sorceries, except for evil people. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of, like, throwing blue orbs and stuff like that, it was these dark black orbs with, like, a little bit of white around them. And there was a bunch of, like, different styles of hexes that were similar to sorceries, but with, like, bad outcomes. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of dot effects, right, on Mm -hmm. those? Yeah. Um, Yeah, Dark Souls 2 was really cool. And if you guys would like to actually have, like, a quick rundown of how Dark Souls 2 basically goes through the whole entire campaign, there is an absolutely hilarious... uh, animation that i still watch now and then it's called happy souls and it follows <laughs> it follows the uh basically two people because dark souls 2 there's you could play through most of the game co-op um which is really cool but it's basically an animation about uh two people going through the game and it is absolutely hilarious even if you know nothing of dark souls i would still recommend watching it 10 out of 10 so I think the thing, the only, the, really the main thing I know about Dark Souls 2 is that people either hate it or they love it. Yes. There is no middle ground. There isn't. 100%. There, no, nobody's like, oh, yeah, Dark Souls 2 is all right. No. Mm-hmm. They, you get people like me that are like, swill, trash. <laughs> I, I think I would become the closest to like being a middle ground. Um, but with the other games that exist, it's just like I personally would have no reason to ever go back to Dark Souls 2. Um, all right. So <laughs> on to Dark Souls 3. Carrying something on, something I know about now. Um Sure. Dark Souls 3, uh, which is my favorite Dark Souls game. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say Dark Souls 3, they, they say it's like easy mode. It is easier than the first two, absolutely. Um, but there are a couple bosses in there that I always remember trying to fight, and they were not easier by any means. Um, the Dancer of Boreal Valley being one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um and then the DLC, I think it was Dark Souls 3 DLC boss where you fight the old guy with the, like the old giant, it, and then his daughter, and then you fight them both. Yes, that was the DLC. Okay. And interestingly enough, in Dark Souls 3, the DLC is also in a painted world. Mm-hmm. And it's, so there's, there's like, I believe the first one I, I misspoke and said it was the, the painting of... Ariandel. Ariandel. I believe that's actually the... Dark Souls Three. One. So there's there's a DLC where it's the painting the painted world of Ariandel, and then there's the painted world of like Arianus, and I think it's there's a lot of lore I'm not going to go into with the DLC and the painting, but it is very cool. Basically, the premise of the paintings is like someone trying to build a new world for the dying light of the one we're currently in. So it's basically like someone is painting a pocket dimension into a new world. Very cool. So. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up about Dark Souls 3 that I found really, really cool is that you get to go back to Anne Orlando. <laughs> yep. It, it, it's not quite the same. It's not. Yeah, it seems a little off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Things yeah. seem a little more not okay. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's saying a lot. And also, it's, it, it is Anne Orlando, but it's not. The premise of Dark Souls 3, basically, the story is the world is ending in a bad way. Um Basically, all of these different universes of the Dark Souls is coalescing into one. I've used coalesce twice 
this evening. And I'm very proud of myself. Let's see if we can shoot for three. Imagine if I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> don't use google um but basically all these worlds are like crashing into each other and like um all these bosses basically all these like special people in the world are being reawoken to stop it they're like okay shit's going down you guys need to wake up come back to life and stop it and one of the people is you and you're basically like hell nah i ain't doing that um but yeah the bosses uh, there's a lot of cool things in dark souls 3 and i think that's where it became much more mainstream for people, number one, because it was easier. But number two, they introduced a lot of cool weapons. I think there's some sick weapons in Dark Souls 3. And a more streamlined magic system. 100% agree with yeah. the weapons. Yeah. Um, there's notably a weapon where basically you go, you can go like stylish sicko mode and like you have a little dagger in one hand and a, a curved blade in the other and you can like swipe along the floor and do like crazy cool shit. That's the dancer's weapon. No, Dancer boy. Yes no, it is. No. It's her daggers. Don't argue with me, boy. No, you're thinking of a different thing. Uh the the hounds, you know, there's like that boss fight with a bunch of people. Is it? Mhm. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's another one where you do flippy shit. There's a bunch of weapons where you do flippy are shit. You, are you talking about the one where you have a little dagger in your left hand and like a great sword in your right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you like throw the little dagger on the ground and spin around it yes. with your great yeah. sword. Yeah, that one was oh, cool. Yeah. You could parry. I loved that weapon. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, <laughs> and one thing that I, I haven't mentioned, nobody has mentioned about the Dark Souls series as a whole, is there's a really unique reward system where every time you kill a boss, you get the boss's soul. And you can choose what you want to do with it. If you are if you just want to go greedy mode and level up better, you can use the soul to get a bunch of souls, which coincidentally, you know, that's how you level up. Um, or you can actually turn the soul into a weapon. And that's where a lot of these really cool weapons come from. And, you know, uh, just to sing more praise about Dark Souls 3, you get to fight a giant tree with a uh, rotting nutsack. Well, to be fair, you can do that in one, too. There's a giant tree with a rotting nutsack in one? I mean, kind of. It's uh, it's like the icon of sin. I know that's actually Doom, but it's basically there's, <laughs> there's like the Chaos Witch, and it's like a it's a big oh, tree. yeah but uh, that's it the dumbest it does, fight in the whole series yeah and it, you know what it doesn't have a giant nut sack so i can't say that yeah but yeah dark souls 3 it's true there is a one of the first bosses actually is a massive tree with a pustia pustula what is it the great rotwood or something like great that word I, wow. Rot- <laughs> my, my speech impediment don't make fun of me <laughs> um neil uh I, i'm assuming you've played quite a bit of dark souls 3 as well yes Okay, so how did you feel about the PvP in that? So that was um, stemming off of Dark Souls 2. Um, I kind of learned to, I mean, I kind of had to look it up, but there would be like a certain level that the PvP enthusiasts would stay at, and they'd stay, I think Dark Souls 3 was about level 80, and there was this area um, where it was like this big opening, like you were outside and it was like a half moon circle yeah that's actually what um it's the Anna Rolando. it's that broken down city after yes. after you beat the first boss of that area it opens up into like a, a crescent shaped terrace like you're saying mm-hmm. and <laughs> also one thing about dark souls 3 is two had a lot more like hardcore pvpers and so they would be um dedicated to the fight club and they would wait their turn I noticed a lot in Dark Souls 3, it was like a shit-throwing contest. And oftentimes <laughs> yeah. you try to have a fight club, and there'd be like one guy who's like, no, nah, hell no, I'm here to break this party up. And would just like walk into two people fighting, do like an AoE. And also, unfortunately, it introduced a lot of, since it was so much more popular, there's a lot more hackers that I noticed. Yes. Um, 
which actually that was a kind of a fun game in itself because interestingly enough you can't there are ways to kill hackers even if they are 100 percent unkillable uh if you reach a threshold of fall damage no matter what they will die so it becomes a game of cat and mouse where you try to bait them off of a cliff or try to chuck them off a ladder uh, it's very interesting um but like i said that's a that's a story for another time <laughs> um i just wanted to uh also bring up the the end boss for Dark Souls 3, which I feel like was another letdown, kind of like Gwen. It it was. is pretty lame. Um, it's basically like a, it's like a giant version of your own character that kind of has similar movesets to what you can learn in the game. Um, and it, it's relatively easy. Um, it's, it's difficult, but you can't parry him to death, which is nice. But it is a little anticlimactic. But I think they really fixed it with the DLC. It, where they basically... Um, had a new final boss that actually like wrapped up the dark souls series um i classic I, I don't know the name of the guy but he's this old like hunchback um you meet him earlier he's just like little servant a, a humble little old man and he basically goes around the premise of all of this is he goes around and eats literally like every soul that ever existed <laughs> and he becomes like hella crazy powerful um but he is a not only a good final boss he's very difficult but also, it kind of wraps up Dark Souls. I don't think they would make another one after that. So, just because we're talking about bosses in Dark Souls 3, I want to bring up the Unnamed King. I think it's his name. Nameless King. Nameless, Nameless King. King. Mm-hmm. That should have been the last boss. It's funny you say that. And I <laughs> I actually went back and fought him again, and he was tougher. But the first time I ever fought him, I whooped his ass. Like, no problem. I, I know, like, uh, he is he's one of those optional bosses that's just supposed to be insanely hard. Um, and I, I was so prideful of it. Cause I, I think I like killed him my first try. Not. And not then you went back and died 50 times. Basically. Yeah. I remember playing through it again. Um, but yeah, dark souls three wrapped things up, which was really cool. The lore was still difficult to get your head around. Um, but the DLC, it basically, you, you fight the final boss at the end of time after everything's fucked. Uh, the end, basically. And then I also want to say, uh, Corey mentioned Happy Souls earlier. Another great content creator for Dark Souls, if you are Vati interested Vidya. in the lore, is Vati Vidya. <laughs> just cut you off. I already knew what you were going to say. Um, absolutely fantastic at describing what's going on in that very confusing and convoluted lore. Yes, and to clarify, Happy Souls is not good for lore. It's just good for like a, game, a gameplay perspective, and they go through like basically the big points of the game. Um, but Vati Vidya is, he has hundreds of videos going over the lore of every game. And it is extremely impressive. And he has a very sexy voice that'll put you to sleep. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if any, at any time we ever become super famous and he, for whatever reason, listens to this, I fucking love you, Vati Vidya. <laughs> kisses. Yeah, kisses. Uh, Neil, do you have anything else on Dark Souls 3 before we move on? Um,. No, I think that pretty much wraps everything up. I was going to mention the Nameless King, so that's oh, awesome that you brought it up. Perfect. I'm glad I could take that from you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it, it is a good game. It's the most accessible uh, so far, I guess, so far of what we've mentioned. Yes. Um, before I, I'd say before we even... Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to talk about Sekiro, um, simply because Neil hasn't. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, but it is it is amazing. If you ever have... If it's ever on sale, or if you ever got a wild hair up your butt, it is amazing. Also, if you hear a death groan, that's just Richard's cat, Salt Jr. Yes. Um, so, I guess with Dark Souls three being done, we got to move on to Bloodborne, which uh, is yes. and a whole other beast. Yeah, and that that unfortunately Neil hasn't played either, simply because he 
doesn't have a PlayStation, and it's a PlayStation exclusive, which is the most irritating thing in the world. Um, all the other ones are on Steam, if I remember correctly. Yes, they are. Elden Ring, all the Dark Souls, not Bloodborne. Um, I don't know what the licensing issue is with that, but it's also locked to 30 frames. It's that That's a great gripe of my own. But anyways, Bloodborne, yes. Uh, before we start on Bloodborne, Neil, do you mind? Because there will be spoilers. I do not mind at all, but I really wish they would do a cash grab and throw that thing on Steam for a little bit. I mean, it would be a cash grab for sure. <laughs> yeah, would, I would buy it again, absolutely. Um, Bloodborne is my favorite absolutely and i i'm sure it's a lot of people's favorite uh the theme of bloodborne varies differently from the other ones it's not some weird fantasy um it's more of like a lovecraftian horror story in like gothic england victorian even yep what did i say gothic yeah gothorian gothorian (laughs) we'll just meet in the middle um but basically the premise of the story is wow i really dug myself a hole saying that but basically um there is some uh there's ghosts in people's blood and you got to do cocaine about it (laughs) Um, (laughs) there's there's evil blood that has turned the the city of yarnham yarnham into uh beasts and uh you basically go around getting rid of these werewolf people um and it just gets more and more lovecraftian and convoluted as you go on yeah so you're in basically as you kill bosses and you can just find it around the world too you gain insight yes and as you gain insight you start to see the world for what it is so these like large uh enemies and white cloaks that walk around with a lantern and a stick you get enough insight all of a sudden their head is just eyeballs their lantern is eyeballs their lantern is eyeballs eyeballs. so a big a big theme of bloodborne is basically um eyes in general and being able to see what's not really there um it, like I said, it's very Lovecraftian horror. It's very eldritch. And they, it basically goes off of, sure, like, the more... Some people take it literally, like, literally more eyes. And some people in the world take it figuratively, where you just need more knowledge. And basically, the premise is, like, where do you where do you find that fine line? Because most of the time, it leads all these people to insanity. And one of my favorite things about Bloodborne is the little, like, quest items that uh, you really don't... Ex- so one of the first bosses you fight is Father Gascoigne, who starts out as a normal enough guy. He's insane, but he's normal. And then he just like transforms into this giant werewolf, but you can get his daughter's music box. And if you play it, he gains a moment of sanity, and it gives you a chance to beat on him a bit. You're like, oh, I'm feeling better. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very cool. There's um, these weird cryptic quests that um, you can do throughout Bloodborne um, that basically get you cool items or interesting boss interactions like that um amygdala sorry i was trying to figure out the name of the like large like oh i I could i could have told you i i have so much lore and information i'm like i can't remember the boss of this guy i can't remember the boss of this but in bloodborne i know like everything it's gross um but yeah it's it's really cool the combat um has trick weapons this is something unique to uh dark not dark souls bloodborne where every weapon has a secondary function or it turns into a secondary weapon on its own. Um, A good example is you get a big hammer that is literally just like a slab of rock, and then you can pull out the the hilt from the rock, and it's now a sword. Um, Every weapon has it, just about. I'd I'd say that 95% of the weapons have it, and it it really changes your play style. Let's say you have like a strength, but say it. Can we talk about the pizza cutter? We, we can talk about the pizza cutter go for it 
Um, so there is a weapon, another trick weapon in the game, and uh, one of it's a bit. It looks like a giant pizza cutter, like straight up, big, like two handed, six foot long pizza cutter. Yeah, instead of being like one singular sharp blade, it's just several like serrated blades. And one of its abilities is that you stick it down towards your midsection, fo- pointing out. And you turn it on like a chainsaw, and it just starts spinning. It's, it's like a weed whacker, basically, <laughs> like a giant man-sized weed whacker. Um, and it is an Elden Ring, so people who played Elden Ring yeah. can get their hands on that as well. And you just uh, walk around, and basically anything that runs into you just dies. Yes. Um, it The game is phenomenal. Um, the trick weapons are amazing. There's one of my favorite trick weapons um, when I first started playing. In the DLC, you get something called an amygdala arm. And these amygdala are these giant... Um, I'm going to say it again, eldritch creatures. Um, and they're all throughout the world. And that's one thing that you won't see if you don't have enough insight. Um, you just, you won't see anything. But then once you get enough insight, you'll see these giant creepy monsters everywhere on the buildings just watching you. Um, but on the flip side, if you don't have insight, which, sure, there are bosses that are easier. The Witches of Hemwick. The Witches of Hemwick, that's right. Because uh, you can't see the weird, creepy, eldritch shit going on, so it doesn't affect you, because you don't even know it exists. That is a thought process in its own. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I, I could go on for hours about this, so I'll uh, narrow it down, but these um, these amygdalas, you can get their one of their arms, and it, it starts out as a club weapon, and the trick weapon version of it, like, extendos it, like, like it's like a tendon, and it turns into, like, a whip, and it's just, it's fucking rad. So there, there's really one uh, boss that I wanted to mention. Does it cry? It doesn't cry. Well, I don't think she cries. All right, wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, it's the, uh, what is she? She's the, tell, like, tell wolf me. woman? Wolf woman. Um, and you fight her in a church? Uh, Amelia? Amelia. Thank you. I remember walking into that boss fight for the first time, and she's just talking like a normal person. And then she turns around, and she's got this long, like, dog snout and Snoop. these sharp teeth. And all of a sudden, the fight starts, and she goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, she's chasing you down there. It's just no no time that she's not on you. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, the PvP scene in Bloodborne was really cool. So if, if, if it ever comes to this team, you would you would love it. It's absolutely insane. Neil... You, you mentioned there was something about the PvP that interested you? Well, the, the first thing when I saw Bloodborne, obviously, I'd, I never had a PlayStation, so I didn't have access to actually play it myself. But I, I invested a little bit of time in watching some videos on it and watching you play a little bit. And one thing I've noticed you guys haven't talked about that really piqued my interest <laughs> is guns. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, welcome to London, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's guns, and they are not as OP as you would seem in the conventional sense, where you just like, you know, like in D and D, if you had a gun, like that would be probably much more easier to deal with things. No, no, Bloodborne guns, they they don't do a lot of damage, but what they do do is they parry. They do parry, and uh, you can boost your guns, uh, Neil. If you didn't know this, by literally making blood bullets. Yes, that's how you use you use ammunition with your blood. So you you do um, lose health, but it's worth it. One thing that's really cool that you can't do in the old games is um, if you're fighting somebody and they roll away from you and get some distance, they can heal, which is very tedious. Well, in Bloodborne, if they try to heal, you can you can shoot them while they're trying to heal and parry them, and it's it's very satisfying. Um, uh, something else um, that that kind of reminded me of about Bloodborne that's very unique is that you don't just lose life when you get hit. If you can get back up to them and hit them, you can recover life that you had lost. 
yes. up to a certain percentage. And that is a mechanic that's it's uh, surprisingly not original. There are a few games that have that, and I think it's very fun. It's it's very rewarding in games where uh, you're supposed to be fast-paced, and that's definitely one of them. And that's the big distinction between Bloodborne and Dark Souls is that Bloodborne is fast-paced. Right. I mean, I'm not saying Dark Souls is not fast-paced. There's it, It's intense, right? I mean, there's fights where you're going, but... Bloodborne amps it up absolutely. There's some there's some uh, areas in that game where it's like you're going hard. Yeah, uh, and then Bloodborne also has spider patches, which is absolutely horrifying. Yes, one thing to note about all of the um, from software games, well, Dark Souls um, and Bloodborne rather. Oh, and Elden Ring, wonderful. And um, Demon Souls. Oh uh, well, yeah, who cares? <laughs> uh, patches isn't it? Patches is a character who is an absolute bastard, and people. Uh, tend to either love him or hate him because it's kind of endearing the way he's just unabashedly awful evil evil. (laughs) basically in every game he will trick you he he acts really nice and he tricks you and will trap you toss you down a cliff do other sort of things and you and then you go back to confront him and he's like oh shit you're you're alive again that's crazy my bad i didn't mean to kill you or whatever (laughs) he's Um, like let's be friends and then he tricks you again yeah and yeah and then in bloodborne he's patches his face on a spider it's super ridiculous <laughs> um, <laughs> um but i'm gonna veer away from bloodborne simply because neil hasn't and he i feel like he's excluded and that makes me sad so uh, like i said interesting game I, w- I would love to try it sometimes this is, it's the same reason I, I never got to play demon souls once again yeah exclusive yeah i mean and same thing uh demon souls the older version you can probably is more accessible but then they have the ps5 sexy version. ps3 well right but Demon Souls is PS3? Mm-hmm. Huh. But that doesn't make sense. Dark Souls 1 was Xbox. Dark Souls 1 was on both. <gasps> I see. PlayStation for life, son. Oh, wait. Didn't Dark Souls come out, <laughs> didn't Dark Souls come out first? No. Demon no. Souls was the original Souls. That's what I'm saying. Didn't... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking confused, dude. It goes Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1 through 3, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Elden Ring. So... Demon Souls was originally released on the PS3. Yes. It didn't hit as hard as Dark Souls. No, no, no. Is that right. why they made it 360? Yeah. They're like, oh shit, this is tight. We got to cash in. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that just seems like a downgrade from the PS3 to the 360. But it's been so long, I don't. I guess well, they are comparable. They are comparable. The 360 sold better. That's why. Yeah. All right. Well. Anyways. Good move. Elden Ring. Pip pip. Yeah. Uh, the big boy. Uh, still kind of fresh in everybody's minds. Um, the, their newer release, newest. Yeah. Newest. The newest, newest release. Um, Still waiting for that DLC. Mm, it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah, very cool. Um, the first open world FromSoft game, and they did open world so well. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Elden Ring is very cool because from the very get go, uh, you can go wherever you want, and for the most part, be relatively successful. Um, it is like the other Dark Souls game where it's like get good, um, and they typically just just like From Software, they put like an extremely hard boss right at the beginning the the dude on the horse mm-hmm. he'll, just, he'll just smash you to bits boss in yeah. air quotes yeah it's funny because yeah when you go back to fight him he's he's not nearly as strong but at the very beginning he, there's there's like no way of killing him and then in elden ring you're talking about like going to areas that you're absolutely not ready for you could go to Kalid. Kalid, yes dj Kalid. dj Kalid, and it's just like so you're in Limgrave, and it's like green and grass and happy, and then you mm-hmm. like you step one foot into Kalid, and it's just death and destruction and awful. Yes, uh, there's something in um, Elden Ring. It's called the Scarlet Rot, 
and it, it basically permeates most of the world. Uh, there's basically the lore is some bad shit went down. There was a war, and um, one rude lady, Millennia, Millennia, yeah, she basically was like, "Oh fuck this! I'm gonna poison. I'm just gonna nuke this side of the continent <laughs> uh, in like this gross scarlet rot, and it's Kalid is just covered in it." Um, and everything is affected by it. Anything that hasn't been killed by the Scarlet Rot is mutated into these, like, super crazy giant, like, birds and dogs. Like, T-Rex-looking giant dogs that are just vicious and malicious. Um, and you have a horse. Very cool. You do. And it uh, jumps. Amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Neil, uh, now that we're back to games that you've played. <laughs> yes. Um so going through Elden Ring, I think everybody kind of has the same starting experience for the most part. You, you get out there, you talk to uh, Bloody McBloodman, um, get killed by the guy on the horse, explore a couple crypts, and then go try and take on the castle. Uh, that was what I feel like most people's experiences was, but how did yours go when you first started? So I was absolutely blown away by the open world aspect of it. Yeah, I went over, died to the guy on the horse a couple times, <laughs> and then I went south and ended up hours of my time just, like, going into detail, everything, finding, like, crypts, going into them, finding a chest. There's, like, a southern area of the map that's got, like, a castle. I remember exploring that for a while, and then there was something in the back of the castle next to the water where you fought, I believe it was, like, a... Was it a dog? It's a, a the misbegotten champion. Yeah, it's a, he's like a lichen, like a werewolf or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that was the first like, besides the guy in the horse boss that I got into, and I was, he definitely kicked my butt a couple times. Yeah, I think that's the, for me in in my opinion that that is like the actual starting area that you're supposed to go to. So that's smooth move. I I fortunately also made my way there. It's like, well, we're here. That's the only place to get to it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna wander over. And, yeah, it's really cool. And one thing you learn quite quickly is that there's a bunch of crypts all over the world um, that are, like, their mini dungeons. And they're very cool. And just about everyone has a boss. Yes, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, some of them are uh, copies of actual bosses, you know? Like, they, they copy and paste it, a few of them. Um, most notably, there's <laughs> there's a copy of a boss that's one the big, the first big first boss. There's a copy of him. I, I can't think of his name. It's, like... Um. Oh yeah, the he, guy he has a grafted arm. He, well, oh, he he's not who I think the first boss is. I mean, the first big boy boss. Yeah, but I know story boss Godric? Godric. Godric the grafted. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, so his name is Godric, and then you can fight like his ancestor that's like locked away in a jail, and his name is like Podrick or something like that. <laughs> and it's like an exact copy, and I was like, dude, what are they doing? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and he's easier too. He's supposed to be. I don't know. It's exact cut and paste so the lobsters or crawfish or whatever they are the snipers of Elden oh yeah Ring. yeah uh, that that was uh, one of the parts of the games that i think was it, it's a get good moment right there's in all the games there's moments where you're just like oh fuck i i need to pay more attention <laughs> what what about them <laughs> well it's just dude, that was the first truly frustrating moment for me playing elden ring like the first like do i want to keep playing this moment when I would be riding through that water, you know, on the horse, jumping twice, having fun, doing my thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I just get sniped from nowhere. Like, I don't see anything. I don't know what's doing it. And I get up, and I try to get back on my horse or heal again, and I get sniped again, and I'm dead. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Th- there's no break in it. 
and they shoot you from so far, and they're crawfish. They're lobsters. Crayfish? What Whatever. Do you crayfish? Crawfish? Crawfish. Craw. Is, <laughs> is that the official uh, way you say it, Richard? Crawfish? Crayfish? Crawfish? I mean, some people spell it cray. Dog. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's... Is that, this dog? Is this dog? Yeah, that's another one of the amazing memes that spawned out of uh, Elden Ring is there's turtles all over the fucking place and people are like, is this dog? Can I pet dog? The pope answer, dog? The answer is yes, always. And then there's there's turtle pope, right? There's a straight up pope that's a turtle. It's pretty rad. He's got one of the... He's got like the miter on, you know, the hat. <laughs> um, Now... We're jumping ahead a bit, and we can always go back. That's fine. But uh, we were talking about final bosses earlier, and kind of that's kind of like a Soulsborne thing. Is that a lot of the time their final bosses just aren't great for whatever reason? They like give up. They they try to like recoup it on the DLCs, right? Yeah, because there's mm-hmm. all, just about all the DLCs have amazing bosses. And I didn't like the final final boss of Elden Ring, but I really enjoyed the fight just before. Uh, I can't think of his name. Well, his her name? His her? Oh, uh, there's Radagon and the elden beast so the, the elden beast i didn't yeah. like but radagon was tight was it radagon or is radagon the guy with the big swords i can't was it, was it radon radon radon's the dude on the horse okay, radon right. is... the little horse and he's like this yeah. three-story dude <laughs> it's, it's always impressive was, go ahead was it not godric again that you fight before the elden beast no, no, you I, fight uh, uh, the dude in the castle before Godric, the guy that jumps down, and he's like, you are not prepared or whatever. Uh, yeah, okay. You fight his brother or something. No, it's him. Is it? Yeah. Oh. yeah. The little lore background is he's basically trying to be the first um, the first vanguard of stopping anyone trying to become Elden Lord. So that's why he stops you at Godric, is because he knows Godric is basically a little bitch. He sucks. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to stop you instead. And he, he basically pretends to be like some vagabond uh omen the omens are basically like uh, mutated humans that are outcasts because they have horns growing all over them um but he is secretly basically like the the big boy protecting the elden lord and the secret behind it yeah he's uh he's the son of him her isn't he <laughs> he keeps saying him her <laughs> well that's uh, because okay spoilers. okay so let me sorry if it's you been have, out it's been out long if enough. you haven't played it spoilers my bad but the the main boss of the game and one of the big story arcs is a character who literally changes sexes periodically. Yes, uh, for their own agenda. And yeah, it was a, it was a big boy secret, um, and nobody's supposed to know about it. So, and here you are knowing about it. So, well, you know, spoiler warning. Twenty seconds after. Yes, I I said spoiler. We're good. <laughs> I covered our bases. Um, I lost track with that. Uh, he's protecting her. Thank you. Yeah, that's that, that's all. Um, but yeah, uh, what's interesting is not only do you fight him at uh, before you fight Godric, but you also can fight him again in uh, the fields, like outside that giant castle. He'll show up. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of strange if if he's using like some sort of illusion to pretend to be, because it basically looks like some undead dude who's just like wandering the battlefield like a zombie, and then he like turns into the guy. So is it is he using like mimic or is he like actually just like instant transmissioning through somebody else i don't know it's weird to speculate so (laughs) elden ring gives you a lot of options on this topic that i've asked already um but i'm gonna ask again guys what's your favorite boss what's your favorite area oh man i i this is a no-brainer for me but uh if you guys want to go first i've been talking a lot i'm a talker yeah um so my favorite area and of course i can't remember the name of it but it's the academy Uh, rea lucaria rea lucaria 
that place is so cool to me. Like like the books, the sorcerers that are everywhere, the uh, the ball that comes down and tries to take you out oh, as yeah. you climb the fence. Yeah, one of the first games where like an inanimate object is just like an enemy you can kill. Like yeah. it's a giant steel ball, and you can actually some of them you can just straight up kill. Like they have life. And it's, like, <laughs> um, it's really unfortunate that that area has one of the worst bosses. But what do you mean? Uh, what's her name that you have to kill her singing girls, and then you go into like the water dimension and just fighter but she's yeah. super easy actually it's not really her it's her daughter pretending to be her well she's like queen right i i believe so yeah she, she so i went through the game twice the first time i went through it i i did my typical dexterity build and the second time i went through i used pure sorcery and as a sorcery build she was actually one of the harder bosses for me right when I she mean, goes to that world yeah so like i think that's the premise is like yeah, she's casting spells, so you just poke the shit out of her and she dies. But it, when it's a magic off, mm-hmm. she's loaded. She's fucking. She's Ar- yeah. she's Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, dude. Um, but my favorite boss, and we've already mentioned it, is Radon. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, so I forgot to mention, and I'm going to interrupt you just for a moment. That a lo- all these Dark Souls games, the main premise is basically a loss of hope and trying to renew this hope. And for being such a dreary, drab. And just like awful setting where everyone's like morose and despondent. There, there is some weird humor. It it can be funny sometimes. So, and Radon's story is actually really sweet. Which it just like sweet as in caring or like dope as in caring, because he literally <laughs> learned uh, space sorcery so yes. that he could not, so he wouldn't hurt his horse when he rode yes. it. Uh, so yeah, he learned gravity magic. That's not the only reason, but it it is one of them. <laughs> well, and to kill his sister, but. Yeah, so um, basically he has this horse named Leonard, and Radon is massive. He's a huge dude, and he's in a full set of, like, plate armor, and his horse is not. And so, yeah, basically, like Richard said, is he uses gravity magic to suspend himself and not crush his horse to death. Um, and so in the fight, his <laughs> he and his horse are basically like zombies, right? Yeah. And you, uh, you're you running up on him during the fight, and you got all these other summons, these other NPCs that are coming with you. Yes, that's right. You see, it's like a siege. You yeah. summon a bunch of people to help you, and they all start charging. And it's a festival in this world. Yeah, it's it. Th- there's a festival trying to kill Radon because the whole point is he can't die, and his steward is like, "Please, please kill him." Like he, <laughs> he's suffering. Um, and so yeah, you get all these people. No, one of the notable notable summons that you can get to help you is Patches, and so you summon him to help you. And I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but. You summon him to help you, and once he sees it's Radon, he, he fucking dips. <laughs> so, like, you, there's all these people, like, charge, and it's, like, super epic. And then you see Patches, like, get summoned, and he's like, oh, shit, and he leaves. It's it's pretty good. Uh, Neil, what about you? What's your favorite area and boss? Uh, I mean, I 100% agree with you. I think Radon was my favorite. Just, just not to touch up on the same thing, but just the fact that it's, like, a siege going in to fight him. I don't know very many other bosses in these series is where it allows you to just summon while you're fighting and summon to such an extent, it just really up plays the difficulty of him. And then when you get him to, what is it, like 40% HP yeah. or something like that, and he, he disappears, and you're like, oh, what happened? Boom, big meteor. He's <laughs> yes. back. Amazing. And <laughs> and I love that he takes his horse with him. <laughs> yep. so, so this gross, withered, like decrepit horse just is like under him, like attached to him. And he flies off into space, and the horse comes crashing down as a comet with him. It's so funny. So that brings up another meme that I saw uh, that they were playing Shooting Star, 
oh, as nice. he took off yeah, and came that back. Is, that is awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, what I was saying is it's not he learned gravity magic to actually he was so powerful in gravity magic he actually held the stars at bay um one of the one of this parts of lore in this game is basically there's aliens trying to invade which is super fucking crazy but he was holding back the stars because they held these aliens um at bay and then when he dies one of the aliens crash lands into uh the land limgrave limgrave yes Limmy, Limburger grave. Mm. Um, and so that's that's just really cool because as soon as he dies, you see the stars start like accelerating and it's kind of one of those oh shit moments and then a shooting star just crashes into the, Limgrave. The moral of the story is no matter what you do in a Soulsborne game, you're the bad guy. You're fucking things up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? I yeah. Mean, it's like you're just sucked into this shitty world and it's like, have fun. Um, What about your favorite area, Neil? Um... My favorite area in it was probably the the, the tree, I do believe. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah. The tree is really cool. That gives me shivers. <laughs> yeah. Um, All the dudes blowing their horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heralding a new Elden Lord. That's why they're there. Mm. And there's interesting lore perspective because they are in two areas of the game. One in the main castle, right? And I can't remember what it's called, but the main castle they're heralding in a new Elden Lord and they, it assumes to be you, right? Because you're showing up. Interestingly enough, they're also at the tree um, heralding in someone else. And I believe that's what's going to tie into the DLC. Mm-hmm. Yes, because they are basically there waiting for um, whatever the cripple is. You know what else? You know what else is waiting in the tree? Melania. Melania. And that's why it's one of my favorite areas. <laughs> yeah. Melania is the the resident elden ring optional mega difficult boss she sucks so the the premise is that every time she hits you she heals oh yeah i mean that's one premise and she has two stages yeah and aoe's and she hits for a shit ton of damage yeah she has like a it's called like the swan dance and that's like her special move where she just fucking goes sicko mode with like a 15 hit combo and if you get hit by one of them you're gonna get hit by the rest you gotta dodge that shit so that brings up a really uh neat little story something i didn't know about elden ring so Corey beat it before i did um and i i was struggling on melania i could not figure it out i made it to second phase couldn't figure out how to get past that aoe she does right at the beginning and then he's like oh run into her yeah and i'm like what no, run away. He's like, no, run into her. Yeah. And so you run into her and past her, and then you don't get hit by that AOE. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, there's a few... Basically, all of her kit, she's animation locked. She can turn on a dime, but if you know how to manipulate it, you can kind of... It makes it easier. It's, it doesn't make it an easy fight, but it makes it a little easier. You don't die right away. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a phenomenal fight. Um, and it also spawned the, the legend of Elden Ring, the absolute unit, the MVP of Elden Ring. Let me solo her? Let me solo her. This guy came into popularity. He's an enigma, but basically he's naked, and he has a pot on his head, and I believe dual katanas. Mm-hmm. And this guy... Uchi katanas, yep. This guy... Are you familiar with Let Me Solo Her? No. No? Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. Um, so he's an internet s- sensation in the Elden Ring uh, area yeah. of the internet. But basically he's this guy who just started showing up for people to summon. And like I said, he's just naked with a pot on his head and two katanas. <laughs> and this guy fucking destroys Millennia. And he just, he he that's he has like thousands of kills on record where he'll just sit there all day, wait for people to need help, and just beat the shit out of her. And he says, let me solo her, because you can literally just sit back. 
And for those of you who don't know, the more people helping you in a boss fight, the, the harder the boss is, they get a higher health pool. Um, I don't think they hit harder, but they have a lot more health. And so you'll have all these summons, and he's just like, yeah, sit back. And also, of course, it just spawned all sorts of, um, like, meme, like, make fun, like making fun of him. There's, like, let me die to her. And, then, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be, like, it'll be, um, you know, basically the same setup. He'll have a pot on his head, but he, he just runs in and dies. Um, there's, like, let me watch her. And they'll just, like, walk in and just sit down and watch the fight. So I just Googled this, and this is what it says about Let Me Solo her. Armed with a loincloth, a jar helmet, and a pair of katanas, Let Me Solo her has expertly defeated Millennia over 4,000 times since the game's release. Yeah. This guy, wow. <laughs> I'm so happy I was here for you to learn of this. It's, <laughs> you should watch videos. It's fucking hilarious. And he's he got so much accreditation for what he was doing that uh, FromSoft actually sent him a sword custom with yeah. Elden Re- like the it's Elden sick. sigils on it. And Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah it, it's so cool to see people become famous in that way. Um, Corey, yes, you're the one that we left out. I know. I was waiting my, patiently for my turn. <laughs> I've been talking so much. So, um, yeah, my favorite area of the game. Um, the tree is really good. Um, basically, the tree to clarify is the area you have to get to to get to Millennia. Who is at the bottom of the tree? You start it in the branches, and this tree is obviously absolutely fucking massive and there's a boss fight between that as well that's right i yes. forgot it's the knight from mm-hmm. uh yes yeah yeah it's a knight there's a knight yeah. it's a knight yeah she's just chilling you kill yeah. her with a big end. bow yeah knight with a big bow it's true um it's it's a really cool area it's very difficult running down the branches is difficult everything about it's difficult but it is a gorgeous area um but also right before there to clarify this whole area is like super hidden it's not easy to get to but there's an area off in the snowy field so all throughout the world, there's these prisons um, where it basically takes you to a pocket dimension and you fight bosses. But this area, it's a whole town that has been uh, sent into a pocket dimension in prison. And so you go to this basically empty town and you don't know anything about it. There's nothing there. And then you go into the prison dimension and suddenly there's all sorts of these invisible enemies. There's So there's archers on the roofs shooting at you while these invisible enemies are just fucking murking you. And there's not really much to be gleaned there. Um, I don't think there's any cool items or whatever, but it's such a cool area. Just, I don't know, it's awesome. And my favorite boss, <laughs> hands down, is uh, Rykard. Oh, the snake. The snake, yeah. So you, this is one of the one of the bosses I was talking about earlier where you you don't need, but you really helps to have this key item right before the boss fight. It's called like the God Slaying Lance or something like that. Serpent Slaying Sword. Um, but... Basically, it's a snake that's surrounded by lava. So if you try to attack it that way, you're just going to die immediately. So if you're a strength builder, you're shit out of luck and let's use this sword. Um, but it's a really cool fight. It's you know just a giant snake, basically. Um, and then you you defeat it. Oh, what's that? There's a second boss fight, and it's actually not a snake, technically. It's Rykard, who is one of the brothers of the rest of these bosses. There's like Radon. It's a big family. Yeah, it's, it is a big family, and they all have red hair. Yes. Um, Freaky. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Neil has red hair, so don't hold that against him. But it is it is a fact that we all have to live with. Uh, <laughs> um, so that brings up uh, another. I'm not done. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? What? Does it? Is it involve Rikard? Kinda. Well, okay. Let's hear it. I was just gonna say, like the NPCs in Elden Ring are amazing, and one of them is his daughter, who is this like everybody in the world is so mean and angry, and then you get this like sweet little girl who turns out to be a snake creature. 
but she still like super nice. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, also, how yeah, how she came to be is like really disturbing. There's a lot of really disturbing things in Elden Ring, and well, all the games that are literally unspeakable, like on a podcast. It's very egregious crimes. Yes. Um, but um, yeah. Anyways, Rikard is really cool. Basically, I love lore like this. It, that's why I love Bloodborne. Is all that weird like Eldritch Lovecraft shit. Um, but Rikard fed himself to the snake and became one with it. It's basically destined to take over the world and eat the world. It's the world eater serpent. Um, and so he's like, oh, you know what? It'd be cool if I helped it grow or some shit like that. But he fed himself to the snake and became one with it. And so he, it's basically his face on the underbelly of the snake. And he like pulls a sword from its mouth. And it's really gross. <laughs> and I just love the boss fight. He's like, shoot it. If you don't kill him fast, it turns into an absolute clusterfuck. He starts summoning like all these flaming skulls. He starts shooting lava pillars out of the ground. And there's a lot of times in that fight where it's like you can't even see what the fuck's going on. Your, your <laughs> PC is about to crash because there's so much shit. Um, and it's really cool. And then after you kill him, his like servant who's like worships him, you can find her like eating him because she's like, oh, he got eaten by the serpent. And then now if I eat his corpse, I'll turn into a serpent. And it's just this gross. She's just, I mean, like I said, the serpent is massive. And so you just see her like eating this corpse. It's so grim and gross, but really cool. Like the lore behind it is sick, literally. Um, And then also speaking of super nice NPCs, um, how about the dung eater? The dung (laughs) dung eater? Dung eater. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's real nice. nice. So he's basically one of the chosen like I, just like in Dark Souls three, a bunch of people got reawakened to claim the throne of the Elden Lord. Well, he got the shin of the stick, and he basically re- reawoke in prison, um, and he projects himself out into the world, and he's just so to clarify, his name is the Loathsome Dung Eater, and he is very loathsome. He basically is like this sick, twisted individual that will do every crime possible to you if you allow him. And um, he just shows up all over the world trying to beat your ass. Pretty cool. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That that basically (laughs) sums it up, right? But it's just one of those NPCs that's so interesting in the way that they managed to create such a vile NPC without being blatantly vile. It's just you kind of learn about the crimes he does. You never see that he does anything, but you learn that he's just like the most awful human. And then you can actually take his mantle and become like the Elden Ring of dung eater <laughs> if you didn't know it's one of the it's one of the endings you can get is dung um so elden ring has a lot of endings which is great yeah it's really cool it really doesn't affect anything um like everything is exactly the same it's just how many steps you take to get to a different cutscene at the end but while we have neil here and being that it's his favorite thing of the Soulsborne series the pvp yes so elden ring <laughs> was a little tougher for me to find a PvP arena, you'd say, because the the map's a little bit bigger. Just a little. <laughs> um, but I, did, I didn't really find the, the groups of people who were like, let's have a fair fight. It was more Estus chugging and free-for-all. You live, yes. you die. Yes, and to, they added DLC, a free DLC. There's basically an update to the game where there's literally a coliseum where you can PvP, so that exists now, like 1v1s. But back when it first came out, it was an absolute clusterfuck. Now, you can look on the map and see there's, like, a little icon you can turn on that shows, like, where the hotspots for PvP are. Um, and I actually played PvP, I believe, with both of you. Mm-hmm. I don't know at the same time, but um, <laughs> one thing that's super fun about 
Elden Ring is again it's open world, and so people take advantage of like these long range methods of attack, and it it hilarity ensues. I remember there's been times where one of us will be a bait, and the other one will and run everybody to mimics. So you can actually mimic things in the game. You use an item, and you can turn into like a lamp post. And so if you're not very familiar with the map, you you won't notice that oh there's an extra fucking bump in a log. You know, there's an extra <laughs> lamppost where there shouldn't be one. And so you can totally bait people and, like, you know, let me solar style where you have, like, no clothes on. And then suddenly two dudes that were previously lampposts. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, one yeah. of the things that really bothered me about Elden Ring is it was the first one of the series where I saw just an exponentially large group of hackers. Really? There, yeah. There was those people that would join in and you'd see them, like, casting some spells and they just run at you. And then when they got near you, you would just die. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true. Elden Ring did give us, uh, what is it called, Corey? The Madness. Uh, frenzy. Ooh. Frenzy. The Frenzy and Flame. Do you remember the uh, Frenzy PVPers when it was OP'd and they just run up and grab you and you just die? Yeah. Oh, it, so actually the most OP thing that I saw, and this, this has been patched out since then, but there's basically um, a, so there's, it's called Blight, I want to say. But it's basically the death. It's a death status effect mm-hmm. where if you get it, you literally just fucking die. And there's like two items in the game that can give it to you, and it's very hard to build it up. So it's it's not easy to do. It sounds OP, but it's not. Well, you can use a combination of buffs where basically you could just walk up to somebody and it builds that meter fast. Like very fast. So there is a time, a point in time where people, including myself, I'm a bastard. Any any type of exploit or like evil shit I can do, I will do it. But basically, you do this, and you walk up to somebody, and they just die. And there's a really cool specific animation that it that it gives you when they die to that status effect, where like these thorny roots like grow out of the ground and like stab you through the chest. It's very cool, very OP. Um, but yeah, there's been all sorts of just like buggy shit. And to be fair, no amount of playtesting will really prepare you for some of the bugs that you can find. Um, another example is like there was a shield um, that shot lasers out. If you if it hit magic, but you could just basically proc it on yourself, and so you could just point a shield at someone and shoot a laser and kill them, and infinitely, super fast. Um, okay, I got a real hard question for you guys now. Yeah, how many times did you take the hug? Oh man, I'm 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 a simp dog. Are you serious? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to realize that it put a debuff on you? Not long, because I'm I'm one of the people where I want to know everything about everything when it comes to games. Like I'll look up the lore. I'll look up weird hidden things and i noticed i had this buff and that as soon as i as soon as i like got the hug from her and i saw i had some sort of debuff i immediately like scoured the internet to find out what it was so uh it took me about two seconds (laughs) and i was the complete opposite i was like hug (laughs) hug 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 okay nothing's happening whatever let's go yeah that's that's one of the things it's like you have an option to hug this girl and she gives you a debuff in exchange for a usable item you you can um, basically reduce like your stun from hits, um, but it yeah it doesn't tell you at all. She's just like give me a hug. I'm so lonely. And speaking of like weird NPCs, she is also weird. Her she's called a deathbed companion, and the premise is basically she sleeps with dead people to bring it back to life. And when I when I mean sleep, I don't mean just like taking a nap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> she's she's going sicko mode on those corpses. Um. And then another thing I wanted to bring up, something I always thought was really, really cool about Elden Ring enemy-wise, just basic enemies, is the ants. Ants? Yeah, the giant ants. Yeah, you like ants? 
Dude, those things are so cool. You get the ones, and it looks like they've been drinking the red liquid because they're, like, half red. Yeah, they, they're, they like, uh, giant scarlet ants from yeah. the scarlet rot. Yeah, they, like, definitely. Anything that's giant in the Elden Ring, like, anything animal, insect that's been exposed to the scarlet rot tends to mutate, get large, and get sicko mode, like I said earlier. Wasn't Radon cursed by Scarlet Rot? Yeah. So the, the premise of why, like I we said at the beginning of, speaking of Elden, Elden Ring, um, why Kaled is just like covered in this gross fucking Scarlet Rot everywhere is Millennia, who's that super hard optional boss, and Radon, who's Gravity Man, who has that horse. They got in a fight um, before the game happens. There's a cutscene. But basically they're in this like endless fight, and she's like, you know what, fuck this. And she like tactical, tactical nukes... Um, Kaled with Scarlet Rot, which she thought would kill Radon, but it just made him bigger. It it cursed him, and so he can't die. But he's tormented by the Scarlet Rot, which eats your brain. So he's basically like this psychotic juggernaut. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're we're running out of time here. So I wanted to ask each of you: How would you summarize Dark Souls? Uh, or Soulsborne in general? Soulsborne in general. Um. You do you mean from a like a like a consumer perspective or like what Just, what standpoint? I general? guess from your own perspective, if you were selling me Dark Souls, mm-hmm. how would you get that out there? How would you say, "Hey, you really got to play this"? Um, I would probably say maybe if I was to keep it really short, which I tend not to do. Like if if I was actually talking to someone and trying to get them to play these games, I'd probably ramble for hours. That's just how I am. But if it's like, oh, give me, give me five words, you know, I probably would give less than that and say unique. Number one, there's extremely unique experience. Um, and then I would say epic, epic, um, you know, they're, they're epic games, all of them. And then the last one would probably just say, get good. Get good. <laughs> Neil? Uh, rewarding. Um, I, I would recommend... Most people play Dark Souls just for, or even the whole series, just for the fact that it's super satisfying when you get far and when you actually conquer things and you find the next bonfire and you push on and you go farther than you thought you could. It's that's, such an amazing feeling. That's a very good point, and I, I appreciate your input on that because after you hear this podcast, you're going to think to yourself, why the fuck would I play these games? Like, <laughs> we're just talking about these super difficult bosses. The lore is hard to follow, and like... You just get your ass kicked. And it's and, fucked up. And you get bullied. And yeah, the, the, like I was saying, again, yeah, it's sad. It's fucked up. Yeah. Um, but it is rewarding. And that's what makes it all worth it is, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you get your ass beat. And yeah, it's just like feels unfair because it is. Um, at the end of the day, when you push past, it, it kicks ass. It feels good. You get a high for sure. You're like elated. Well, maybe that's important. <laughs> I, I one day, I hope that someone goes through all the words I say, and it's like, he did not use that. <laughs> like, I, I was elated. I'm just absolutely in love. <laughs> but, well, is that inaccurate, though? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, just just that feeling of, like, you're, you've been struggling for so long, for hours. You're at 10 HP, no Estus flash left. And what is that over the horizon? Is that a bonfire? Yeah. Yes. And then you get pushed off a cliff. Yep. That, <laughs> yeah. that sense of ease. Yeah. Just before. How about yourself, Richard? Oh, man. Um, well, the reason I like the Soulsborne games is because of their challenge. 
So, and it's not so much the reward. I mean, the reward's a big part of it. Really? But I like things that are difficult. Mm-hmm. They're fun to me. Playing Halo on Legendary Edition, playing yeah. Last of Us on their hardest difficulty, you know, that's fun. It's a challenge. Yeah. And that's how I would sell it to somebody. Like, if you like things that are challenged that are going to push you, your, your hand-eye coordination, your mental health, whatever you want to look at it. <laughs> Maybe you not want, your mental health. <laughs> if you want something that's really going to put you through your paces, the Soulsborne series is what has it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it is it is very cool. There's not really a difficulty setting. It's just you play the game. It's as difficult as you want it because at the end of the day, you can look up meta builds. Um but realistically, you can beat the game playing however you want. And I think that's very, very cool and unique. Um, that being said, you know, if you're trying to punch a boss with your fist, it's not going to go well. But think, you choose your own challenge. Think back to the old NES games for those of you that played in NES. Um, there was no difficulty setting. You either got good and beat it or you didn't. Yeah, Pong was rough, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the sixth time we brought up Pong in our podcast. I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, it's worth it. All right. Uh, anything else, guys? Play the Soulsborne. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. One more thing. Uh, bring Bloodborne to Steam. Make it PC friendly. Uncap it. Make it uh, sixty frames. Yeah. <laughs> bring Bloodborne to Steam, and uh, until they don't, definitely do not emulate it. What do not definitely do not wink wink. Oh, emulate okay. It. Yeah, I'm catching on. <laughs> don't do, don't do that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. Thank you all for joining us. Um, Neil, thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Well, I am The Pit, and that is The Salt signing off. All right, have a good night, guys.